continue in our series, and uh, it's uh, been a joy. I thought when Ben decided this is what we'd go through, at first I thought he was crazy uh, to go ahead and tackle this, but I have, I have just been thoroughly blessed and enjoyed our time in doing this. Uh, we're going to go back and revisit at least what we started to talk about because I think it, it's always, always important that you know the context of the, and the whole theme so that you can begin to interpret accurately the things that are within uh, that scripture. And, uh, and often, like when I go back and I'm reading the epistles and I read uh, Peter and I was looking at First Peter and he repeats often in there, he says, it's nothing for me to remind you people of this over and over again. But I also uh, looked in Second Peter and he says, it's nothing for me to be reminded of these things over and over again. So I, I think that we as brothers and sisters, when, when we have different events in our life, we share different stories and, uh, and we all journey along the way. I, I don't think anybody just kind of gets higher on the journey. It's just the journey. And so if, uh, if Jill shares with me something, if I listen and really embrace that, I will be reminded of something again and again. And it helps point us back to uh, the right direction. And I think we need to revisit the word blessed again. Some of you may be getting tired of this. It's nothing for me to remind you of this again and again. Blessed are the, whatever it might be, remember we said that was the very presence of the holy God inhabiting us. The very presence of God in us, inhabiting us, which brings about a full satisfaction for life. Think on that just a minute. It isn't that you're going to get all these different things as the primary point. It's that we get the blessed relationship, the union, and the infusion of God in us that we now can be what we were created to be in the perfect glory of what God made us to be. And in that comes satisfaction. Now, a lot of times people translate that happy. And, and we've said before, happy is, happens when you, all your circumstances happen the way you want them to happen. Okay. And the thing that happens when we have the blessedness of God's presence and God's view on things, many times our circumstances and our view of our circumstances changed. So in essence, we say, well, that is not a negative thing. For if God's involved in it, that there can also be something positive that I can experience the presence of God. So there is a sense of happiness that comes with that. But I wanted to go ahead and, and revisit that again, that this is about your union with God and the blessedness of those that do these things and the Beatitudes will be blessed. And I have verse in Matthew uh, 5, 7, and it said, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. And we're gonna look at that today. And, uh, and I hope that you'll follow with me on this. I've had quite a journey. I've looked at it for quite some time. And a lot of times when you read right away at first, months ago when I got this, I kind of put together this outline, thought this, this will be good. I can, uh, this is an easy one. I can rest for quite a while. And uh, yet it didn't turn out that way. As a matter of fact, last night or this morning at 2 a.m., I woke up for, to add to some things that I didn't even see for all of those months in there. 
And, uh, and so we want to look at some of these uh, in, in terms of merciful. And, and I want you to listen to some of the scriptures as I read them to you, just about the mercy of God and the character of God and who he is. And just listen as I look at Psalm 103. It said, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in his mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor has he rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so great is his mercy towards those that fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. And like a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are but dust and human. But as for man, his days are as grass, as the flowers of the field, so perish. For the wind passes over it, and it's gone. The place thereof shall no, it no more be. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. His righteousness unto his children's children. I want you to note something there. It said the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. God is not going to cease being merciful. God never was not merciful. Mercy in God will never change because mercy is God. It is everlasting, is eternal. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3, it said, Blessed be the God of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of all mercy and all comfort. James 5, 11 says, You've heard the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy, filled with tenderness. Exodus 34 says, The Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, he keeps mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression. And then Psalm 86, 15 says, You are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. You see, mercy isn't something that God has. It isn't something that God does. It is who he is. God is mercy. And, and I think that's really, really important that you see that because I think it's very important that we know where we're going to go with that. When I first got this, I, this topic, I began to look at mercy, look at all the scriptures of mercy, look at the definitions of mercy. And again, I wanted to put up the nice list so that I could present to you the list of do these things and you'll be merciful and don't do these things and you won't be. And, the more, and those things are very good. There's plumb lines in the scripture that talk about what mercy looks like. What is the outcome of this thing? And I began to put those down. I began to think about them. Uh, they would never, never kind of line up for me. I was a little bit frustrated that they weren't coming out the way I want them to come out because I tried to listen through what your ears would hear. And I began to be bothered by that. And one day God really put on my heart, I was kind of like, I want you to see me walking down a path and I'm on my way to the path of all these things about mercy to help define them for you and me. And right in the middle of the path, I see this sign, it's a detour, and the detour is pointing this direction. And I can't kind of get around the detour and the detour is taking me here. And the detour, as God was having me at least see that, was to take the detour, which detoured me right into the character of God, right into the belly of mercy. 
It's like I walked in and said, this is where God says I want you to lead them, is into my presence. I am mercy. And matter of fact, I will infuse them with my being, which will infuse them with my mercy. Therefore, they will be merciful. The infusion of God in you and in me and the DNA so what, it somewhat changes to where now what's happened is I don't try to manufacture mercy. Mercy is a part of me. And Jesus, when he said, I want you, and it was kind of like the, the crescendo of his teachings in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. And over and over in that portion of scripture, he says, I write these things to you that you will know that you will be like the Father and I were. As the Father was in me, so I will be able to be in you. As the Father and I were one, infused together as one, that you might know what it's like to be infused with me. You shouldn't complain and be troubled that I leave because if I don't go, I won't be able to be in you. I'm with you, but I won't be in you. But if I'm in you, then we will become one as a father and I are one. The whole point all the way through that into John 15 was abiding in the vine that we might be infused with God, that God's very character would overtake us. And his character and one of his characters and one of his, uh, who he is, is mercy. And I believe if we will go ahead and bathe in that place, if we will breathe that air, that we don't have to attempt to try to manufacture mercy. It will naturally come out of you. It will flow from you. Matter of fact, if you abide, it will not be able to be stopped. And the only way this mercy won't go is if you decide to say no to it. And we're going to look at what that looks like. What is mercy? What is this definition of mercy? I, this is where I was really awakened because uh, I've heard over and over through my whole Christian life growing up that mercy's not getting what you deserve. And that's true. There's a truth to that. But boy, is that shallow in its definition. And I, and I heard that, and yet I, I looked at the scriptures that I read you. I started to see more scriptures and said, boy, there's just so much more to this. Than that. So last night I woke up, this morning I woke up two o'clock, and I woke up and just kind of wide awake and I said, that definition is not doing it. And you know how sometimes you say, well, you know, what were some of the people that have always influenced my life? What did they say? What did this say? And, and I just couldn't do that. So I began to go ahead and just go through from Exodus all the way. I actually got to 1 John. I didn't make Revelation, I, but I got to 1 John. And I just went through real quickly reading the, the word mercy and where it was and what it looked like. It is so big. It is so broad. It is so attached to so many other attributes of God because God doesn't have parts. God is a whole. So mercy, I do not believe, can be understood or received without it being wrapped up in love. I found that mercy can't be understood if it's not wrapped up in forgiveness because it was used of God's mercy, therefore you are forgiven. It's wrapped up in his compassion. When Jesus was seeing the, the, the multitudes and he looked out and he says, he had compassion or mercy on the multitudes because they hadn't eaten for days. It's God's incredible favor that is poured out. 
Are you getting the picture? It's not something we can break out and just define and say, let's do be merciful. It is a part of the character and the nature of God who looks out and sees. Overall, I got the picture that what it really means is he looks out onto people and he sees the need. And when he sees the need and recognizes the cry, he has pity enough that he would therefore remember his covenant of being the kind of God who he is a covenant God and therefore this merciful that we today sometimes think is a noun, it's a verb. It's a verb. It has action to it. So when the multitudes were hungry, how did mercy express itself? It brought forth food and produced mercy. It has a way of seeing something, and when you see it, you spot it. That's the word mercy. And it's, it's a result of our being so attached and so much uh, infused with this life of God. Reminds me, since this is St. Patrick's Day, reminds me of a story of O'Reilly. And, uh, and O'Reilly... Uh, he just visited the pubs quite often. It's where he kind of met and he talked and he f fellowshiped with people. But Riley was not really good at telling when sometimes he had had too much. So he always tried to kind of say, well, if I have too much, I've got to head home. And so as he was sitting at the pub and he was having a little Guinness here and there, he got to the point, he said, I think I've had a little too much. I'm getting a little dizzy. So O'Reilly decided it's time for me to head home. I'm going to go home to Martha. So O'Reilly begins to step off the bar stool and falls flat on his face. And he falls on his face and he says, whoa, I've definitely had too much. So he crawls over to the next bar stool, picks himself up and falls again. And this proceeded to happen all the way home. He got to the stairs, and he couldn't make it up the stairs, so he crawled up the stairs. And he crawled up the stairs and was going to get into bed. And Martha, looking at him, says, O'Reilly, the bartender, Patrick, he demonstrated mercy for you. He heard your groanings. He heard your cry. He remembered, he looked at the suffering and the pity, and he took immediate action, and he brought your wheelchair home again. <laughs> no, but think about it later on if you want. <laughs> I remember mercy one time when I was trying to demonstrate some mercy, and this is when I was limited to the pretty much solo definition of not getting what you deserved. And I have one of my sons here. The first service, I had my other son here, and, and they just were misbehaving. My three boys were just rowdy and they're wild. And you know how one gets rowdy and the other one gets wild? And pretty soon I'd had it. And I said, that is enough. Get downstairs. They get down there. And uh, we had bunk beds. And there was the lower bunk, and I had them stand with their hands on the bunk bed and their rear ends facing me, and I took the paddle out that they had made. And I reached back like this, and they tightened up like this, and I slammed, and I hit the top bunk so it would make a lot of noise. Just 
All three of them jumped. Did he hit you? No. Did he hit you? No. And I said, boys, that's mercy. You didn't get what you deserved. Okay. Well, mercy has a lot more than that involved with it. Mercy is the ability to recognize the cry of somebody to see a need, to notice that need, and then to take action. As I studied this, I am convinced and I believe if we will spend less time trying to mimic these deeds of mercy and trying to manufacture a form of mercifulness, if we will take the detour into the very heart of God and learn to enjoy his mercy, see his mercy, recognize his mercy, embrace his mercy that has been extended to us, I believe your whole DNA will begin to take on a look that you will begin to see, spot, and notice mercy, and the mercy will be reflected and acted upon as the need deserves. I think it's supernatural. Let me give you a, a weak illustration. I don't think it's, it even holds much power, but it'll, you'll understand. As we've got uh, our snow melting and it's melting fast, which I like. I like that we're going to get into the 60s, and I'm really kind of excited. But have you noticed, though, at nighttime, the freezing still comes in, and we got ice in the morning? And so sometimes it's, it's easy to forget that. But let's say you're walking into church today, and, and our dear sister, Mary Dusher, who is 102 years old, is walking beside you. You say, hi, Mary. And you walk by, and you hear her slip. You turn around, she falls, and she just falls down flat, and she's laying there. I want you to Right now, if that's you, what do you feel when you see her fall down? What do you do about it? I'll bet I'm pretty safe to guess that pretty much every human being in here that is capable would react to that without having to think about it. Oh, that's right, I'm supposed to be merciful because if I don't help Mary, I won't receive mercy. I don't think that would happen to any of you. It's a part of our DNA. It comes out. The only thing that would be a hindrance if you said no to it, that would, you'd have to say no to something that was a part of who you are. I believe as you begin to practice this and this begins to be a part of your daily life, you'll begin to spot more people in need of mercy, and you'll know what that mercy will look like, uniquely different. I love the song that you picked, Heather, about the wind. As the wind goes, we follow it. It's like we don't even know how to explain it. If you said, well, Bill, what does mercy look like? It looks like God. It feels like God, the presence of God. And so as I demonstrate mercy, they begin to be blessed. They begin to see the presence of God about them and they begin to go ahead and understand more fully. And that's why it says in the verse I read, blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all mercy, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles and our afflictions so that we might comfort others with the same comfort that we have received or the same mercy that we had received so they would then begin to enter into that. It's a contagious thing, it really is. It is contagious. It is not much different than giving because giving and mercy are also paralleled in illustrations in the Scripture. In the Scripture, in uh, 
Luke 6, it says, be merciful just as your father is always merciful. Don't judge or you're going to be judged. Don't condemn and you will not be condemned. Pardon and you will be pardoned. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. They will pour into your lap for by the standard of measure, it will be measured to you. I always thought that was just about money. It isn't. It's about mercy as if you look at the context. Being merciful, give when you see the need that's there. And it might come out in, in financial ways. I might look and say, gosh, Ben and Jill, just their car just broke down, Father. And you're seeing that. I hear the cry and somehow you're wanting me to be merciful. Well, what they need is not the, a good old pat on the back, good sermons. They need a car. Are you following me with what mercy means? And I, I want to... I want to help you with something. I'm going to take just a teeny detour right here because of the 48 years of being a believer, I've been involved in a lot of people uh, performing their weddings. And the, the older I get, the longer I've been married, uh, I feel there's a deep hidden secret that's never really presented to people in their marriages. I believe our world out here teaches people that look around for the person that will best suit making you happy. And, and then try to be good to one another. And all I see is failure when that begins to happen. I can't be strong enough to say, listen, there's a secret in marriage that is well hidden in our community and in our world today. And the secret is as there is a laying down of self and entering into very, the very heart of God as love and beginning to embrace his presence and his DNA so that you are so blessed, fully satisfied, I don't need that from my spouse. I now become a vessel, as Romans said, of God's love and God's mercy to pour out onto my spouse as I begin to look always at Nancy's needs and say, God, what is it that you are wanting me to meet today through me so that the pleasure is the union that God and I have in meeting that? And I said, folks, I can't tell you that is the only time I've been fully satisfied and blessed in my marriage. And I'm telling you this in life, to only be fully satisfied in life is to enter into this belly of God and become fully satisfied with him, his presence, and then begin to let that be a flowing spring that flows out on you and keep your eyes open. And as you begin to minister that to people, you're going to find that this is what life is all about. They're all telling you you get it from here. It doesn't. It comes from within you. I would love to love to tell you that I just do this so well. And I was really kind of doing it pretty well till yesterday. And, I'm, and, and then all of a sudden yesterday, I literally blew it with one of my sons. And what it was, was literally I showed no mercy in an event. Now, that really spiked me. It hurt. And I said, God, here I've been preparing this, I've been seeing this, I've been enjoying this way of walking, and here just the day before I have to present, present it, I don't show mercy and I hurt my son terribly. How am I going to talk to these people 
when I have not done it myself. Verse came quickly to me. The righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up again because I've shown mercy to you. This isn't about getting it perfect, guys and girls. It is the fact that I know now it's not by trying to be merciful and trying not to be not merciful. It is to say, God, it doesn't matter. I am going to walk into the very presence of who you are as mercy, and by faith, I'm going to believe that you have changed my DNA and built in my heart is a desire to be merciful. So Holy Spirit, again, I wake up, and guess what God does immediately? Well, your son doesn't need what he needed before. What he needs is an apology. What he needs is for you to humble yourself and walk to him and confess what happened. And that was mercy looked differently, but it was still mercy. So don't get down on yourself if you miss the opportunity. Or don't even get down on yourself because sometimes you're going to see a need and you're going to say, look at, I didn't do it. This is why we have a journey. And the journey is not about getting it right. By the way, getting it right is way overrated. This is really about the relationship. What I have found in preparing this message for you is this. I have loved to be over here in this detour. I'm not worried that I won't be merciful. That's not on my plate anymore. I am bathing in the heart of God and saying, God, I don't even know how to do this, but it's in your presence that I will find what you've asked me to do here. This is all about our union of being united, you infusing your very life, and one of the parts of who you are, although you're not in parts, is mercy flowing through us with love. So I ask you to do that. Give it a try. Give it a try. And here's, here's what I have seen, that the more that I'm more sensitive to it, the more that I see I can hear it and see it more often. Verse says, if you'll do these things that I have present before you, you will see the things more clearly that are from either man or God. And then all of a sudden it begins to be a joy. You wake up in the morning, Father, fill me again. Where, is it? Where are we going to spot this today? I desire to be merciful. So how are we going to do this today? Rather than the image that I think most of the world has they usually have a comment that they say, I'm not very much, but I'm all I think about. <laughs> you start to get outside of that. And now in the closing minute, we're not going to spend much time here, but I do want you to know something. If you'll see in that verse in Luke, you'll see in, the, in James 2, 12, you'll see in, uh, in Proverbs 11 that it says this. Many times to the degree that you judge or you show mercy will be to the degree that you are given mercy. There is some parallel. There is some relationship. I don't understand it all. The things of God are way higher than what I can understand. But I have watched over the 48 years of walking with God that I have seen that when people are merciful people, they see and they spot mercy, people tend to give them more mercy. And I've seen the other group that is always critical, always judging, always condemning, never, never fulfilling without need, they seem to get judged and criticized, which causes them to do it more and more. Give it a try. Enter into the heart of God and believe that he's already made you merciful and pray with me. Father, today, 
at least the part uh, that you have laid on our heart was to fulfill what you have already done and accomplished and that we would be merciful. Because you are merciful, because that is who you are, your mercy is not going to ever end. It never did have a beginning. It's everlasting to everlasting. And it's poured out always upon your people. And I, by faith, would ask that we would believe that you have infused that into our life. When we received you, we received all of you. We didn't receive you in pieces. We didn't receive you in little bits. But all of you was infused into our very life. And I pray today that each one would have a unique experience of seeing, hearing the cry, responding to the cry by letting you, through them, meet that need. And in doing so, God, I just ask that they would then begin to feel and experience the blessedness that you promised for the merciful. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.